You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. We're going to do a little bit of a crossover episode with our buddy Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. We'll talk some Auburn football with him as we kind of look ahead to next season. Bo Nix, is he the starter or is he not? We'll discuss that with our buddy Zach. Also, uh, we will go a little bit around the conference, some tidbits that we got to hit on as uh, Vanderbilt losing uh, one of their better players from this past year. And much, much more. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. Vanderbilt, their sophomore running back, Keon Henry Brooks, is hitting the transfer portal. He announced on Twitter... So first, I'd like to thank God, Coach Mason, for giving me the opportunity to play the sport I love. I'd like to thank the Vanderbilt family, welcoming in with open arms. But after taking talking it over with my family and those close to me, I've decided I'll be entering the transfer portal. He was one of the SEC's breakout running backs last year, rushing for nearly 500 yards, two touchdowns in just six games played. So we'll see where Keon Henry Brooks ends up. Over at Tennessee... Really, it's over at UCF, but their new athletic director said he would welcome a series against the University of Tennessee. Quote, we'll definitely reach out. We are definitely open to that. He also subtly suggested Tennessee may not be interested in playing that game until the Vols improve their football team. Man, would that be a fun rivalry? Josh Heupel at Tennessee taking on Gus Malzahn and UCF. I think that's a game that uh, everybody wants to see sooner rather than Later, we'll see what happens with that. Former Auburn linebacker K.J. Britt is getting a lot of attention at the next level, meeting with a bunch of different teams. Most recently met virtually with the Saints and the Packers, but uh, K.J. did meet with every team in person at the Senior Bowl, so his uh, virtual schedule isn't as heavy as some other draft prospects right now. But uh, K.J. Britt, a guy that very well, look, I think some teams will really consider stepping in immediately as a special teams guy at the next level, if not starting at linebacker right away at the NFL. But be interesting to see as his draft stock continues to kind of move up the charts here. See where KJ Britt ends up in a couple weeks in the NFL draft. Over at LSU, they tweeted out yesterday, ready to get back on the practice field, officially announced that uh, their pro day is going to be on March 31st and their spring game will be on April 17th. About similar to what a lot of the teams did. I know the NFL com released all the different colleges and their pro days are all coming up over the next couple weeks. It's going to be way more attention on the pro days this year just simply because with no real NFL draft combine, the pro day now becomes the combine for a lot of these players. And the NFL was actually going to be instilling their own scouts and people to come in and run the drafts for them to uh, make sure they get correct 40 times, shuttle cone drills, and all that kind of stuff as uh, – as it goes along, so that will be uh, interesting to see how they handle that. On the recruiting side of things, University of Missouri, our buddy Michael Bratton, SEC Mike on Twitter, tweeted this out. He said, you know, looking over player rankings for the 2022 recruiting cycle, he said, I don't know if we've ever seen the state of Missouri have this many elite-level prospects. state of Missouri for 2022 currently has two five-star receivers, 
plus nine four-star prospects coming out of the state. So Eli Drinkwitz and company have a chance to create some serious momentum, no doubt. If they're able to keep most of those kids in the state, Missouri football, look out for the future of them with Eli Drinkwitz there. Over at Florida, their safety, Trey Dean, was uh, speaking with the media as they're in the middle of their spring camp. And Trey Dean was asked about Emory Jones, the new quarterback for Florida. And he said, quote, Emory Jones can throw the ball as well as Kyle Trask. I think he can do everything with his legs also. I think he'll be a great dual threat. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. This is what we've heard from several people down in Gainesville, that Emory Jones could be a more complete player when you talk about running the Dan Mullen offense than Kyle Trask. And that's no shot on Kyle Trask. Obviously, he was fantastic with what he did last year, but Emory Jones might give them that extra added dynamic. will be interesting to see. Over at South Carolina, one of their coaches, Torian Gray, getting a little bit of hot water on social media as he tweeted out, welcome home to the new DBU on social media. That didn't go very well on uh, social media, as you know, a lot of other schools claimed the DBU moniker. Heck, in the SEC alone, LSU, Florida, Alabama would all have claimed to it uh, with all the number of NFL DBs they've put out there. But South Carolina kind of holding their own. They got a, a pair of guys going into the draft this year in J.C. Horn and Izzy Muguamu. And obviously, Stephon Gilmore is a stud in at the NFL already. But I think I would pump the brakes a little bit on South Carolina calling themselves the new DBU. And lastly, over at Alabama, Landon Dickerson uh, joked that he and quarterback Mac Jones, quote, come as a package deal in the NFL draft. He said, quote, I'm hoping he's the first quarterback picked. He should be. But whoever ends up with him is going to end up with a phenomenal player, a phenomenal guy. Just another card in the deck of the Mac Jones hype train. A lot of people are very high on Mac Jones, and there's a chance he could go top 15, if not maybe top 10 in the draft. He won't be the number one quarterback. That's going to be Trevor Lawrence. But when you talk about Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all the other guys expected to go in the top 10, top 15 picks, the quarterback, Mac Jones couldn't find himself right in the top of that mix. So that'll be something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. All right, when we return, we're going to talk with our buddy Zach Blackerby, do a little bit of crossover with our Locked On Auburn host. You're unlocked on SEC. RockAuto.com. They are the place to go if you need anything for your auto uh, parts needs, and I mean anything. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com. Shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, windshield wipers, motor oil, new carpet, whatever you need. You can get it all in just a few easy clicks. They're delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, very easy to navigate. Just type in your make, your model, your year, boom. You'll quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose from the brand specifications and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, their prices are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers like you and I. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com.
Hey, February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than a Game. This week, we have two conversations for you to wrap up the month. First, a discussion on protest in sports across leagues. Then tune in for a discussion on the importance of black history in sports, what's been achieved, and the important work left to do. All that discussion, Locked On Presents their podcast feed. Subscribe on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. We do a little bit of a crossover episode with our buddy Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn. So we're going to talk uh, heavy Auburn topics here as we jump into it and join now by Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn. You're not very high on Bo Nix and <laughs> half of the Auburn fan base is not high on Bo Nix either. Um, where, where did you end up having him in your quarterbacks listing? I know you ranked all 14 this week. Where, do you, where did you end up having um, Bo Nix? Because I, I, I know like the first 30 minutes of the show was you talking about JT Daniels. So. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, I, I, like to put it honestly, like I, I, I am like I put him in the last category. And the last category was having to compete for the starting spot. Yeah. And. I have him in that category with like, you know, Harrison Bailey at Tennessee and, you know, those kind of guys. And every, and a lot of people were like, you know, come on, this is Bo's job. But I'm going by what I've heard from multiple friends in the Houston area who told me what, what the real deal is on Demetrius Davis and basically said, this kid's going to start. I heard that from multiple friends who cover him, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. And so when I heard that, maybe it's not so much an indictment on Bo – but maybe more positively on how good Demetrius Davis is going to be. And so, you know, I, I don't know how this all adjusts. You know, does he fit Brian Harson and Mike Bobo's scheme better than Bo? Like, I, I don't know any of that because I don't know what Brian Harson's planning to do. I don't know what those conversations have been like. But uh, from what a buddy of mine told me, had Gus still been here, that it would have, you know, it was going to be Demetrius Davis as a starter. So, and, and that's amazing uh, to think of. You know, uh, Barrett Sally, you know, the national uh, college sports guy, does stuff with Sirius and you know CBS and and all that good stuff. He came on one of our um, one of our Auburn Network shows, The Drive on ESPN 106.7 over here, and he was like, "Hey, I'm making a prediction that Bo Nix will not be the starter at Auburn next year," and. I was uh, I was in the line ordering you know dinner for my family list and I'm just like wait what and you know I had seen some stuff like that on you know Twitter and message boards and all but I mean Barrett Salee's a pretty big name and so I, I I thought that was really interesting and then I did a show the following day kind of breaking down his hot take and kind of why I I don't think that that's actually a thing I think Bo Nix will be the starter for Auburn next year but. It drew a lot of conversation, drew a lot of criticism, made some people mad. But what what what's the argument for D. Davis, Chris? What are you hearing? I mean, is, is it just because this guy is some kind of transcendent level talent? Is it um, is it a Bo Nix thing? I mean, wh- what is it? Well, and and I, honestly, like I haven't seen enough of Demetrius Davis, so I I can't vouch for him that okay, this kid's going to be the real deal. I'm only going by what people have told me, but. As far as Bo goes, like, let's let's look back. So, he was the SEC Freshman of the Year two, two seasons ago. And, and I thought that was debatable. Like, Derek Stingley Jr. had had a really good year at LSU. Everybody was, you know, he was making, like, consensus All-American lists, but he wasn't the SEC Freshman of the Year. That's, you know, it was, like, really mind-boggling. But 
Um, like I thought, I thought Stingley could have gotten it. They gave it to Bo. Okay, fine. But when you look at his number, yeah, that that helped. Yeah, but like when you look at his numbers, it wasn't like eye popping. It was it was good. It was good numbers. But when you go back and look at year number two, the year that you know, okay, sophomore year, he's supposed to take that leap forward. Let's see see him take that next step forward. And the numbers were all very similar. He threw for 100, 100 yards less, four less touchdowns, one more interception. Rushing stats very similar, 300 yards rushing, seven rushing touchdowns. So I, I don't know. Like, I just expected to – that's true. That's true. But I just felt like the, the light was going to click on in year two. And I think if you're an Auburn fan, you'd struggle to say, yeah, we absolutely saw Bo take that next step in year two. So – I think that's where we kind of are with it is what is year three for Bonix? Does he take a next step forward or is it more of the same? Because it's more of the same. I think a lot of Auburn fans are going, look, you know, Harson maybe gets a pass in year one, but let's start building for the future. If Davis is the guy, let's let him go through his growing pains here and let's move on. Let's turn the page instead of going through another year of ups and downs with Bo. Right. And, and that's an interesting conversation because – D. Davis, when you look at every quarterback Harson has had, none of them are as mobile and as electric as a guy like D. Davis. So they're all similar to Bo Nix or, or Jarrett Stidham or Sean White would have been like the perfect, uh, the, the perfect Brian Harson quarterback. It's like they can move a little bit, but for the most part, they're guys that are comfortable in the pocket and they want to get the ball out quickly. And I think Bo Nix could really operate well in this kind of scheme. The big question is, Chris, and I'd love your thoughts on this, but it's like, how how broken is Bo Nix? Because I, it's not a talent thing, and I really don't think this is a between-the-years thing. I think he's a smart football player. I think he understands SEC defenses and the, you know, the, the scheme that Gus Malzahn's offense brought to the table, whether, you know, you can argue how complex was it or, you know, all that. But it's his form is just atrocious. And his techniques are just so bad. But every now and then you'd see him like falling backwards, even though there's no pressure around him whatsoever, but just jumping backwards, throwing off of his back foot. And then the ball goes 40 yards on an absolute dime. And it's like, goodness gracious, this guy's arm talent is ridiculous. If he just, I mean, imagine if he stepped into that throw, how great it would be and how quick the ball would have gotten there. And it's just like, okay, from an arm talent standpoint, it's like, this guy is awesome. This guy's great. And I, I, and I think he's perfectly, you know, I, I think he's fine as far as athleticism goes, but his form and his tendencies are just, right now they're broken. And the big question is, is like, all right, Harson, he's got a good track record with making quarterbacks better, but how far gone is Bo Nix mechanically? That's a big concern for Auburn fans right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you make a lot of good points there. All, all two reasons why. He's not, you know, if he's going to come in and, and be the guy, like he's going to have to earn his spot, put it that way. I would absolutely make it an, an open competition all throughout spring and the summer. But, uh, you know, I, we, I know you talked to Eli Stove a couple weeks ago when he was preparing for the, the showcase for, for um, you know, scouts and that sort of thing, and I, I caught up with him as well. And one thing he, he told me about Bo, he said that Bo, he thinks – took a step forward in maturity this year and thinks he's going to be even more mature next year. And I don't know what that means in terms of, you know, was he just this freshman jokester behind closed doors, didn't take things seriously, but balled out enough to lead the team. I don't know what all that means, but 
again, this is a guy who has no reason to BS you. I mean, Eli Stove is moving on to the next level. He has no reason to sell you on Bo Nix, but he pointed out Bo's maturity. He thinks that he's going to take that next step next year. So, um, again, new coaching staff, new scheme, new everything affords the opportunity to not make things awkward and just, you know, where he would just assume he's going to be the starting quarterback. But, you know, on, on the flip side, if he's not the starter next year, and it is they do roll with Davis, is Bo prepared to be a backup and keep his head down, or is he going to do like basically 90% of the guys out there and immediately run for the transfer portal and, oh, I'm going to go start somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that would absolutely be, be the move. move. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, Gus would not be able to contain himself. He'd be so excited for Sweet Bo Nix to to you know join forces with him once again. I, I don't think there's any question about it. But all in all, I, I think he's going to be the starter, and then and honestly, Chris, I think he's going to do fine next year. I, I don't think he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be better because the system that Bobo and Harson have. It's, um, I think it's quarterback friendly. Now, the question is, he doesn't have weapons around him like he did last year. The weapons get dramatically worse on paper. Now, from a talent standpoint, I think the guys that will get the opportunity, you know, we saw glimpses of Zevion Capers and, and Kobe Hudson. He's such a natural wide receiver. Uh, and guys like that, uh, you know, you, you saw Elijah Canyon pop in the bowl game against Northwestern. It's like, okay, those guys have talent, you know, really, really talented freshman guys, but very young, very young. And the oldest guy in the receiving room next year, I believe, will be Shedrick Jackson, you know, the the nephew of Bo Jackson, but he's just kind of known for blocking, and that's it. So it's going to be more than Bo. It's going to take other pieces. And, you know, what's the offensive line do? You know, I, I think some folks expected for uh, Harson to bring in more grad transfers and things like that on the offensive line. He's got time to do all of that, but it's going to be very, very interesting to see. All right, Gordy, I, I know you spent a lot of time talking about, you know, looking at some of the non-conference competition um, throughout uh, throughout the SEC next year, and, and rightfully so. I mean, the headliner, one of the biggest games in all of college football is between Georgia and Clemson, but this Auburn-Penn State game early in the season next year, I think that's pretty interesting. It, it's a great gauge to see where both programs are at because you could you could almost say that they parallel each other with two programs that um, you know have kind of underachieved these past couple seasons. I, I think Penn State maybe even more so because of you know what they brought back last year and James Franklin very well respected and you know I think some people were saying uh, you know that they might start eyeing the door for James Franklin if he doesn't turn this thing around soon. So. You know, I'll be interested to see what kind of team Penn State has next year. But, man, you talk about, like, the timing of it for Auburn. Like, you get Akron and you get Alabama State. Okay, you get two cupcakes to basically, you know, two weeks to game plan for Penn State is, is what it turns into. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much can Harson install offensively, defensively, all that. I think Auburn's going to be in great shape to to prepare for that game. And I haven't looked at Penn State's schedule yet, but I'm, I'm curious to see who they play before and after. And, you know, is it a game where they look at and say, look, uh, you know, our, our focus might be elsewhere. Whereas, you know, Auburn, you come back at the week after that and you play Georgia State before you take a road trip to LSU. So the Penn State, to me, is, is basically a dress rehearsal for SEC play. And, you know, as you know, it's been a long time since Auburn has won in Death Valley. So, you know, again, it's, it's a nice test for – a team with a lot of young pieces to go up to Penn State, make that road trip, and kind of gauge where you're at. But, man, I, I just – I would love to see them 
fix that offensive line, get that going, and man, really unleash Tank Bigsby next year. Because I feel like we still have only seen a, a scratch on the surface of what that guy can be uh, as a full-time starter yeah, in the SEC. Yeah, he's special. He's special. The sky's the limit for him. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned that LSU game, Gordy, and I think I made the argument when the schedule came out that the timing benefited Auburn. Would you agree with that? And my case was kind of, okay, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's going to take time for LSU to kind of get the, you know, kind of get the ball rolling. And I guess you can make the same with Auburn because there's going to be a lot of turnover uh, for, for both teams. But I made the case that earlier the better for when they go to uh, to Death Valley. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, LSU, yeah, we're, we're – where it falls for LSU, it's it's in between two road trips. One at, one at Mississippi State, and one at Kentucky. But obviously, look, I think it's it is in Auburn's. You know, e- even though it's different guys who haven't been there many times, like I think it's in their head where they, you hear this stat every week, where it's you know it's been forever since Auburn has won in Death Valley, and so you know I feel like I feel like that plays a part. And then you know, look, the revenge factor. Auburn absolutely embarrassed LSU this past year. What was it, 48-11 or whatever it was? So, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit of the payback factor. I think LSU, look, if if they bring Miles Brennan back and he's the starter, that guy was throwing for like 400 yards a game before he got hurt. You know, he was answering the question of, oh, can he replace Joe Burrow? He absolutely answered that question. The problem was LSU had its worst defense it's had in, in basically forever. So, if they can get that defense fixed, I think LSU is going to be in a really good spot, and I, I might even venture to say they'll be a step ahead of Auburn at that at that point in the season. But again, I like how the schedule sets up for Auburn with having three of your first four against very winnable opponents. And you know, let's say they do go into Penn State and find a way to win that game, they're going to be feeling really good about themselves at you know four and zero going into to Death Valley. So maybe you go with a different mindset, but. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting how the timing works for both teams on that October 2nd game. Yeah, and I mean, every other year, whenever Auburn goes to LSU, that's that's every question that Gus gets and all these players. And like, it's getting, it's gotten to the point where like the players weren't alive <laughs> like the last time that happened, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, okay, like that's ridiculous when you really, really think about it. But, and you know, Gus would kind of talk about it and give them quotes and give them a storyline and all of that. But... Harson is just so not a storyline dude. Like he just genuinely does not care about that kind of stuff. He is very much a, a one game at a time kind of coach, and I think that's going to benefit Auburn in situations like that, and situations like the rivalry with Georgia and, and Alabama, and of course the one with LSU and the growing one with A&M. I think when you look at the individual weeks and like, he's just not going to put up with the storyline stuff. Like he may flat out say like, I don't care. I don't care that yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It's like, I, I've been here for like, you know, six months. Like I, I don't care what happened, you know, the last two decades or, you know, whatever it is. And so, well, and, and can you imagine the storyline? If, if he's able to go into death Valley and beat LSU, I think the last time they won there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I always see the pictures. I think it's Cole Kublik smoking the cigar on the field. Like, I think, I think that's the last time they won, but like if Brian Harson can find a way to beat LSU the next week, you come home for Georgia he loses that game. I think most fans are like, ah, who cares? We're five and one. We beat LSU. We're we're good. We're still good here. So, but you know, imagine the flip side. Let's say they lose at Penn State, then they lose at LSU, then you lose at home at Georgia. Suddenly you're three and three, and, and maybe some fans are wondering, eh, is, was this the right hire? 
It's a crossover episode, Locked on Auburn, Locked on SEC. We continue this conversation next. Hey, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, yes, but college basketball, it's about to get hot and heavy with uh, the winding down of the regular season. We'll have all the conference tournaments, including the SEC tournament you can bet on and the NCAA tournament. I was just looking at some of the odds to win the SEC tournament right now at betonline.ag. They got Alabama right at the top at 5-2. to two. They're the favorite, followed quickly by Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas. And here's where you start to get into some pretty good odds if you want to play some bets and make some money at betonline.ag. You got Florida and Kentucky are both 7-1. to one. Don't look now, but Kentucky's starting to get hot. That could be a team that could certainly get hot at the right time and win the NCAA tournament or the SEC tournament, rather. And then you got some other teams that are some long shots: Ole Miss thirty-three to one, Mississippi State sixty-six to one. How about Georgia hundred to one? If you wanted to take a real gamble on them, you can do it all at BetOnline.ag. Head to their website right now, or use your mobile device, and you could sign up today. Receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. It's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, betonline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. Roll along here, Locked On SEC. Want to remind you guys to check out some of our other great podcasts all across the Locked On SEC podcast network. Of course, we've got a lot of uh, SEC teams. Uh, we got Locked On Bama. Locked on LSU, hosted by Matt Vascona. Locked on Razorbacks. Tons of different schools. Whoever your favorite SEC school is, just search Locked On and that school, and I bet you will find what you are looking for. All part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll continue our conversation with our buddy Zach Blackerby, who is host of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. Let's jump back into it with Zach. Chris, you mentioned some of the tough opponents that Auburn plays next year and they play them every year but you, you know you lump Penn State into that LSU A&M Georgia Alabama and it's like all right you know let, let's say those are the toughest uh I think I named five teams right there what's a realistic record Auburn can go against those five teams gosh man I, I mean the three cupcakes back helps right I mean it was we're, we became so accustomed to the all SEC schedule and how brutal that was for everybody last year but you know, I, I I think on an on a normal year, like you know, for most people, I think eight and four is typically, you know, the that teetering line of okay, we're we're not terrible, we're not great, but we're we're in a good spot. I always think that that's a good barometer for a you know first year head coach in, in the SEC. If you win eight games, that's really good. So you know, it means you're going to go to one of those middling bowl games in Florida. So. Um, yeah, I'd say eight. I mean, you know, road trips at LSU, road trip at AM. Uh, Arkansas is just, they're having to rebuild a lot. I would say Auburn, that's a game Auburn should win. You know, they'll probably lose the game at home against Georgia. But I think, you know, Ole Miss is going to be loaded next year. If they make any improvements on, on the defense, I think Lane's going to pull off some upsets next year and some teams that maybe we think they're not supposed to win because Matt Corral is just a, a monster. I mean, he's going to throw for like 400 yards a game. But, you know, I th- I, I'd put the Ole Miss game as a toss-up. We'll see what Leach and his offense looks like at Mississippi State. But, you know, maybe that one could be a toss-up. I think you should win on the road at South Carolina and then 
of course, to Alabama. I, we have no idea what Alabama's going to look like next year. Bryce Young could be really good. He could be really, you know, show some growing pains. So, uh, yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, again, we, I, we this happens every couple years with, with Alabama. But let's not forget, I mean, just two years ago they lost Lost to LSU, lost to Alabama, and, you know, I know Tua had the injuries, but Mac Jones didn't look too bad filling in. So, um, you never know. But, yeah, I'd say eight win. if they go eight and four, I think a lot of people are saying, all right, we, we feel good about the path that Brian Harson is on. But it's like I always say with anything, Zach, what's the record look like? You know, were the four losses blowout losses that you were never in the game or were they last second, oh, man, we lost on a field goal against Georgia at home. Okay, I could stomach that a little bit more than losing 38-10, to 10, you know. So um, it, it's like anything. But I think I think eight wins is is probably the over-under for Auburn fans. Sure. Yeah, and I'm kind of thinking the same thing. But, you know, as far as the, the two games that Auburn fans care the most about, Georgia and Alabama, they're both at home, so that's definitely going to help. But I think Georgia's a better team than they were last year. Alabama's probably not going to be as good as they were last year, but they're still going to be pretty good. The The point differential last year between in, in those two games was a big reason and maybe the reason why Gus Malzahn lost his job. What do you think an outing, a successful outing that doesn't result in a win looks like for Brian Harson? And that may not be a thing. And a lot of Auburn folks are probably listening and be like, well, if you lose to Georgia and Alabama, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it, you're unsuccessful. But... You know, just, I'm just being realistic here. Like, what yeah. you know, what should Auburn fans look at as far as what he does against Kirby Smart in Georgia, Nick Saban in Alabama? I, I think you know what's what's the strength of both those teams, Kirby at Georgia and Saban at Alabama. It's the defense, and so if you're going to lose those games, if you're Auburn, you want to see Harson being the offensive guy coming in. You know, with you know, with Mike Bobo, like you want to see them score a lot of points, right? So you lose a shootout, forty-one thirty-five or something like that. Then I think that's one you could stomach. I'm sure maybe people will be angry with Derek Mason at that point if if the defense is, is giving up a, a, a crap ton of points. But you know what I mean? Like you, you at least if you're able to score points and move the ball on on Bama and Georgia, you can look at it and go, all right, at least we're we're not far off. Yeah, we're, we're we lost those games, but we're close and. Harson's building something here, but I think that's the key. If the, the offense looks like trash against Georgia and Alabama, then you it's going to feel like the divide is still very much there. Chris, I know you uh, you open your show up often with kind of looking around headlines throughout the uh, the SEC, and you you've gotten into a little baseball action. And I've got to mention this: we're recording this on uh, on Wednesday night, shortly after Auburn got done on the uh you know at, at Plainsman Park did you see the final I know you've been traveling uh this evening did you see the final for Auburn's baseball game I I did I saw the 14 run fourth inning and then I I I happened to glance on Twitter and saw it was 33 to nothing at what point does the opposing team uh, say hey look we're we're good let's just play seven innings and call it a night oh, you know goodness gracious 33 to nothing like even for like an Auburn standpoint like you got to want to go home at some point. <laughs> I mean, 33 I, I, to nothing? That's ridiculous. 
Yeah, and, and look, I, I I like this Auburn team. I think like it the the SEC this season is absolutely insane. If you're just like a casual SEC baseball fan and you don't really get into it that much, I encourage you. I mean, like now is the better best time as any because you've got. So many different ways. I mean, like the SEC Network and ESPN3, like they're carrying almost every game. Like I encourage you, man, if you're just sitting around the couch and even if it's a night Auburn's not playing, like pull up any of these other teams, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. I mean, the conference is absolutely loaded with some great teams and loaded with talent. I mean, guys who were supposed to go pro this past year because the MLB draft got got knocked down to only a couple of rounds. You got a lot of kids that – ended up either coming back to school or high school kids that could have gone to the draft and ended up going to college. So, yeah, I encourage everybody, I mean, hop on the bandwagon, watch some SEC baseball this year because I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight all the way to all. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's absolutely going to be fun. There's always that debate, like, you know, can a, what would a college team look like against a minor league team? And I still think any minor league team would, would smoke pretty much any college team. But this year it's closer. This year is a lot closer just with, I mean, you can make the argument that this SEC, you know, this conference in 2021 is the most talented conference to ever compete in college baseball, ever. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And what we're seeing right now in in basketball is we're starting to see the teams beat up on one another. And, and that's it's that parody of the SEC where you go, oh, gosh, here we go. Like, these teams that are really good. I mean, we saw this past, you know, two nights ago, LSU loses to Georgia after they had won three in a row and looked like they were they were going to be on a tear. So, you know, I, we'll probably honestly see that in, in baseball this year. Somebody's going to get on a roll, and then suddenly one of the lower teams is going to knock them off and take two out of three. So, um, no, it's going to be a fun ride. It's going to be a fun season. And, Really, really going to be fun to see what Rankin Woolley does for Auburn because uh, that kid is really special and fun to watch. Every time he swings, he hits something. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> you got any thoughts on the Shreve Cooper deal? Him not playing? He's gone, right? Do you think he's going pro? Yeah, that's so weird, man. I mean, this whole season has been weird for, for everybody. And, and look, we know the circumstances coming into the start of the season of what Auburn was going to be facing, but – if that's all we've seen out of him, that's disappointing because, you you know, he was so electric, so fun to watch, and you almost feel like you got cheated out of only seeing him in a handful of games, really. So um, it is what it is. Uh, you know, when it, it's funny. I, I experienced this a few years as an LSU fan uh, years ago when Ben Simmons was there and you know, ultimately kind of quit on the team near the end. They could have gone to, I think, the NIT, and they said, no, nah, we're good. They missed the tournament. And it's funny, when they introduce Ben Simmons in NBA games, you know, they say, out of Louisiana State University, and most LSU fans are like, do we claim him? Like, is he really an LSU guy? And so I feel like Auburn fans are going to feel like that years from now. They're going to hear Cooper's name mentioned and go, I guess, from out of Auburn? Yeah, sure, maybe. You know, it's going to be kind of weird. But, hey, he was special, at least the small sample size we saw him in. Gordy, I appreciate your time, man. This was fun. I'd like to do this more often if you're down. Absolutely, Zach. Always good to catch up with you, man. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Always fun to uh, talk with Zach Blackerby, talk all things Auburn with him. Tomorrow on the show, looking forward to this. 24-7 Sports put out a list of the top transfers across college football, and a lot of them in the SEC. We'll tell tell you where they ranked and what guys at what schools they're expecting big things out of next year. That's tomorrow on Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so yet. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.